My name is Rachel Peru and I'm a 50-year-old grey-haired curve model and I'm going to be your host for the Out of the Bubble podcast. I started a new career age 46 modelling and on social media I found so many women, inspiring and amazing women over 40 who were really embracing their midlife and helping to break down the stereotypical barriers. I really wanted to share these stories with you, so let's celebrate and firmly place a spotlight on women over 40. My weekly reminder that you are not invisible and it's never too late to try something new. I'm excited to share that from this series onwards, Out of the Bubble will be teaming up with some of my favourite brands to be able to offer Out of the Bubble listeners some amazing discounts. So I'm starting off this month with Studio 10 Makeup. If you've never heard of this this brand, then it's founded by Grace Fodder after seeing a real lack in the market for makeup suitable for women over 35. It's 100% designed by women for women, real pro-aging makeup brand, which I absolutely love. It's become a staple part of my makeup bag. I don't know about you, but I find shopping for makeup, especially in department stores, can be really intimidating as we get older because our skin changes and we need different things and there's so much choice out there. I've had so many compliments after using Studio 10 makeup in the last couple of years about how flawless my makeup looks. And so Studio 10 offers a really easy to use range of products. I can't recommend them enough. So for Out of the Bubble listeners, for this month until the 7th of March, you will be able to receive a 20% discount on all products. Just use Out of the Bubble 20 code at checkout. And I have to declare that this is part of an affiliation, so I would gain a small amount of remuneration if any sales were made through this code. But if you'd like to know more about Grace Fodder, you'll be able to catch up and listen to episode 40, where we get to find out more about the brand and why Grace really saw there was a need for it and what the soft, what the brand's all about. So if you'd like to know more about that, please go check out episode 40. But don't forget, it's on till now, until the 7th of March. And if you're looking to update your makeup, um, I would definitely recommend Studio 10's a great place to start. Out of the bubble 20, use discount code. Right, let's get started with today's guest. So let's do this. Welcome back to the first episode of Out of the Bubble Podcast of 2021. I'm really excited to be kicking off the first episode with somebody that is fondly called the queen of podcasting. So not intimidating at all to be choosing Anna Parker Naples as my first guest to get kick off the new year. But if you don't know about Anna, then please go look her up. She is a global bestseller of podcasting with impact and get visible both books I've read she's also the host of an international number one podcast entrepreneurs get visible and is really passionate about helping ambitious entrepreneurs and coaches get seen and heard so that people can then have a real ripple effect so I'm looking forward to sharing her story because the journey to get to where she is now is quite astounding so I hope you enjoy this episode so good afternoon Anna thank you so much for joining me ah you're welcome thank you for having me Rachel I feel slightly under pressure today because I do have you on the pedestal of podcast queen. So <laughs> no pressure yeah, I, today. I didn't give myself that acronym, that, that title, but it definitely works to help kind of position yourself in a field. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't ever set out to help people with podcasting. It's just one of those wonderful things that's unfolded as I've uncovered the things that I'm really good at. So. And you have had quite a journey, which I'm really looking forward to sharing today. For people that don't know you, how do you describe and introduce yourself? So right now I help ambitious, driven entrepreneurs who feel that they have an important message to share, work out how to 
be heard and get more visible. So the be heard part is about helping you to have a podcast that's a powerful front end for your business. And the get visible is about how you pull together all of the authority pieces so that someone might see you on social media. They might read your email. They might come across you because you've written a book. How do you pull all of that together so that you can have greater impact and influence on people so that we can affect more change? So that's a kind of really long title, but I help people, impact-driven people, purpose-driven people to reach more ears. I love that. And this is what, you know, what I wanted to try and do with the podcast is to try and encourage people to find their passion and purpose. And you've definitely yeah. found yours, but it has been quite a journey, hasn't it? So let's kind of yeah, take quite so, a few steps back. So right now, Rachel is looking at me and I'm sitting in what looks like a very posh, proper recording studio. I've got all of the padding on the walls. I've got very posh microphones. And what I'm actually sitting in is in the center of my house in what used to be a long time ago, my airing cupboard. And this airing cupboard actually has a lot of a lot of meaning for me. So to take you back about 11 or 12 years ago, in my fi- third and final pregnancy, when I was pregnant with my son, I suffered some complications and they told me to expect that I would never walk again. That I'd never get back on my feet. Now, for anyone that's pretty devastating. Mm. But I had three very, two very young children, uh, a newborn on the way. And I had always expected that after I had this third child, I would return to acting and stage, which had been what I'd done before my pre-children life. And I felt that everything had been snatched away from me. And I was massively resentful, bitter, fairly twisted, really, really dark, And, you know, I have a natural exuberance and a natural energy. So for me to go down, for me to go down that far and hit that hard was quite shocking for people around me. But I always, even then when I was really dark and depressed, I still felt a responsibility to put a bright face on it. And my bright face actually was full of bitterness. You know, the jokes we make about ourselves, the things we try to lighten with humor that actually are really just quite depressing and sad. And I basically got to a point where I knew I had to do something about it. And what I did was go and see a hypnotherapist, but who was also a neuro-linguistic programming professional, NLP, for those of you listening. And it was my first kind of slamming into the whole world of mindset and personal development. And that, that day, that decision to go there in my wheelchair at a point where I hardly ever left the bed the bed because it just hurt too much I wasn't washing I wasn't looking after myself thinking that my whole life was over suddenly realizing that there was way more there was way more to me there was possibility there was future um, and it started a massive massive journey for me I mean, it's just quite incredible how you have overcome those hurdles to get to where you are now and you've got that double kind of whammy of you know you, your life changes when you have kids anyway in terms of career, it's, you do have to reevaluate things and, and change the way you do things. But then on top of that, to have the illness and to be, to be bedbound almost. Yeah. I, I don't know how you found the strength to get to that next stage. It's quite incredible. But you I say think, that it's your positive mindset that really helped you change yeah, physically. I, what I want to say is it's not just positive mindset as in, I'm just going to pretend everything's happy. That's mm. not actually positive mindset. For me, it was about undoing a lot of the damage that I was doing to myself over and over and over again with the things I was saying about myself. So I came to realize that, and this didn't just happen in one session, this was a period of unraveling, that I had been telling myself for a long time there were things I couldn't do because I was now a mum. 
that I couldn't be an actor and be a good mum. I couldn't be a good mum and make money. I could, and, and, and on and on and on, these justifications for why I'd left my acting career behind five years earlier that were full of, I mean, to be honest, it was just rubbish. But where had those limiting beliefs come from? And so to then be in this situation where, well, what if I, what if I never walk again? I can't have that life that I thought I was going to go back to. But realizing it's kind of more than that. And so then starting to tap into, well, as an actor, what did, I, what did I really want? What was that all about? And for me, a lot of it was about recognition that I was good enough, that um, I liked the adulation, I liked the applause. I liked thinking that I was, I don't know, not, not special, that's not what I mean, but that, that there, there was something about me. Because I guess I'd always had in me some leadership qualities that I'd, I'd quashed, I'd, I'd pushed down and I'd had yeah. them since I was very young. And I guess that I, I had previously seen acting and, and being center stage, if you like, as the only way to express that part of me because I didn't know any other way. And what, what actually happened for me, the reason I've ended up in this unique audio field of podcasting and coaching people to do this is he said to me, well, what would happen if you could be globally recognized for your work, earn great money and be at home with the kids and be disabled? What would that look like? And I remember saying to him, well, that's not possible. And he said, well, what if it was? And what if over the next month you thought about how it was possible? And it was like, I don't know. It was like something just shifted in my brain from this door's completely closed there wasn't even a door, it was a wall, to all of a sudden, there's all of these opportunities. And the opportunities that came up for me were that I could work from home as a voiceover artist, initially doing commercials, and then later specialising in radio drama and audio books and video games. And to cut a, cut a long story short, I started on that path quite quickly from bed, learning how to edit, how I'm not te a techno um, I'm not a geek. I don't love all of that stuff, but I learned it all because I had to, to get my voice out there. And I ended up becoming one of the UK's leading British voice actors and going on to be a finalist in Hollywood seven times with the best of the best of the best. And as I, as I grew in my confidence as, as a performer in that way, and I was making great money and I was there for the school run and I was there for sports day, I was actually alongside that. Not, I, I'd recovered as well. That's a really important thing to say. Yeah. I was fully recovered. And I, re I really believe the reason I recovered was because I changed how I felt about myself. Changed how I felt about myself. And throwing myself into something which was audio, where I could express myself, I was myself. I then alongside that trained really deep into NLP. I became a master NLP practitioner. And I had this kind of massive breakthrough, a kind of awakening moment as I was completing that training, which coincided with my, my the final award in Hollywood, where I'm standing on the red carpets in Hollywood in a pair of heels, the most glamorous I've ever been within six years of that moment where I thought it was all over. Amazing. And I just felt, I felt in that moment, Rachel, I have to get this out there. I don't know what it looks like, but I have to reach other people like me who somewhere deep inside of them think and know on some level they're supposed to be doing something more yeah. and show them that it's possible. And it and is so that's such really... an inspiring story. It really is yeah. amazing. And uh, during that time, did you struggle with imposter syndrome? Because you were 
reaching these heights of getting all these accolades in quite a short space of time. Did it just come naturally to you? Did you feel like you could own your space? Yeah, I absolutely felt like I could own it. And the reason is imposter syndrome had been such a huge thing for me, such a huge thing. And what we, what we uncovered from going back into some quite traumatic things that happened in my early, early years, when I was 16, I was brutally attacked by a gang of girls and it was arranged by my best friends. So that sense of not being able to speak up, I told my truth, I told my version of the truth. And then this awful, awful thing happened to me and I had to have surgery on my face and all sorts and and that at that point i had kind of limited myself it's understandable why i yeah. did that but i'd limited myself and what i came to realize was the decisions i made surrounding that event actually were the reasons i wasn't that that i would feel like i didn't belong and i think once you realize those limiting beliefs you've created you have created them you can then do anything so when I went into the, vo- the voice field, the audio field, I literally went in saying, now I've had these kind of awakening, enlightening moments and realizing I'm the one in charge. I'm not waiting for anyone else to give me permission. Well, if I give myself permission to be the best I can be, not the best in the world, because that's not even achievable, but the best I can be and achieve whatever I want to do to the nth degree, what does that look like? So when I entered that field, even right at that moment where I'm in bed and I'm not washing, I've realized that if it's true that I can create anything, why wouldn't I want to do it to the best of my ability? Yeah. So no, I didn't. And it's, it's funny because the NLP shifts that I had were so strong in those early days, so strong that I never, never used to hit me. It's actually, as we gone on now, it's like now that, now that, it was actually more as I was coming into the kind of coaching and online space that I'm doing now at that point. That's, I started four years ago. That was the moment where I said, this has, I have to do something different and I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm going to go on this journey. It's then that the waves of imposter syndrome come up for me. And actually hormonally, it's when, you know, time of the month or, you know, I'm mid forties now, sometimes Mm. I don't know when the time of the month's going to be. It's then that the imposter syndrome really rears its head. And I have about three or four days, every five or six weeks where I don't know how I show up, but the rest of the time I know I am and I know I can. And I've come to just learn that that's just part of my, part of me, part of how I am right now. Yeah, and I think people tend to think that think of, of inner confidence as being a dumb deal and you once you've found it, then you always have it. But it's always going to be work in progress, isn't it? There's yeah. always going yeah, to be these sure. bumps. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, and you know, feedback, I, I want to make a difference to people. So if I have clients who are less than happy or people on social media who are less than happy, it, it, it affects me. Not that it takes me right back to where I was, but it's always a question now of, well, why have they said that? And why has it made me feel that unhappy? What, what's that triggered in me? What past story is that connected to? Uh, and what can I take from it? I'm much better now at saying, okay, if I feel like this, it's not the truth. How can I maybe sit in this? Maybe there's something I've got to learn here, but learn it quite quickly so I can let go of it. Let go of the yeah. saga and the sob story. And I think what you've shown as well is that you've really invested in yourself. And I think women, particularly midlife, we really do struggle with that sometimes because they, they're so focused on family and perhaps caring for older, older relatives and husbands. And they forget that actually it's really important to invest in themselves and in, in self-development and looking after themselves. It took me a long time to start investing in, in, in training 
to do something completely different. And initially when I was training in NLP, it was never, it was never because that was something I was going to use. It was just because I realized that this was a tool that could make everything a lot better. Um, but the more I went into it, the more I learned about myself, the more I realized there's some tools here that I just want so many other people to know. And I guess I've been lucky in that my husband, not that it's his decision, but all the way along, he has sort of supported me to go and do whatever I want to do. So we've never had that fraction, fraction. Yeah. What do I mean? Fractiousness about whether I should or shouldn't. And I think I always have kind of beneath that have this belief, whatever I invest in, I'm going to make sure I pay for it. Do you know what? So I'll make yes. the investment back somehow. Yeah. I just will make that happen. Yeah. No, and I think, so once you became, once you decided that you wanted to become more visible and you wanted to get your story out there, how did you go about it? Because I think that can be quite an overwhelming thing for people when they think, right, I've got a great story. I need to get my message out there. What was your first steps? Into so it? I literally, I literally the next morning after I was on the red carpet, I literally cried over breakfast because I knew I was about to, I thought, leave the whole audio space behind me. I thought everything I've worked for, I've, I'm done because it's the next stage. Mm. And I remember flying home and my dad saying to me, well, well what next? And I, me kind of at the time going, I've just been in Hollywood. How dare you? But because I think people around me could see I'd just been on this massive tra trajectory. And I actually, I actually sort of floundered for a bit because I thought, well, how am I going to help people? And I started with a couple of clients at home in my office and, you know, we do treatments and that wasn't enough for me. And I kind of spent all over that Christmas period thinking, well, what is it? Who do I want to help? Who can I help? And I had this kind of, this light bulb moment. It was in the February. It was actually my mum's birthday. And I remember having this, this moment of, I have to create an online business that could have global reach and I want to inspire people and I want them to understand some of the stuff I've understood so what am I going to do and I actually started a business called Inspiring Mummy Club because I was thinking well I don't want to just help actors and voice actors which was my field what else am I so I was thinking well I was a mum and I felt stuck so that started to be my toe into the water but I had no idea how to launch a business. I had no, no idea what I was doing. I just felt driven. Mm. And I was fortunate in that I had enough of a following from my other work that people did support me. And that business was always, always paid for itself. But I, I felt really disconnected within about a year. So disconnected. I felt that I got the message wrong and that I didn't actually want to talk to mums with young children. I, that wasn't the right vehicle. Yeah. But that the my my instinct and my intuition that I was supposed to be motivating people was right, and I actually then again it was just listening to my intuition. I rebranded to my own name rather than because then I thought, well, whatever I throw myself into, I don't have to explain or justify or make it fit something else. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I started writing my first book. And it was then that the whole understanding of what I'd really done, of going from being bedbound and broken and, and then into Hollywood, was putting myself out there. It was about seeing myself first, mm -hmm. being visible to myself, stop pretending that I'm not capable, stop pretending that I don't want success. And I think that once you own up to what you really want, then you can make it happen.
Yeah, and I think that's that lots of women can't can't get past that hurdle. And I know something that I've done a lot of self-development work recently on, and it's ongoing, is is owning that actually it's okay to say you want to be successful in your field yeah. because you absolutely deserve to be if you're working hard. And what's the point of doing it otherwise? And I think not enough women feel the confidence to step forward into that arena. How do we because, encourage them to? But well, I actually think, Rachel, that there's more and more female leaders rising mm. and I think it's a really powerful time to be a woman and we have you know all the things that used to be barriers that you know how how do you run a business when you're at home well we now have social media we now have podcasts we can reach anyone yeah. we can we can do it while we're breastfeeding we can do it when we're on the school run we can do it when the kids are in bed if you want it and I actually think, you know, that the responsibilities that we have, we can actually decide that I'm going to do it as well as those. It doesn't have to be instead of or in spite of. It's as well as those. Yeah. And I, I, think, I think it's exciting to see so many more powerful women realise their own potential and start to achieve it and then reach down and help other people up that mountain. Was the podcast a way of... It's taking that one step further for you then to get yeah, that reach so, out there to encourage other women. So my first podcast, because I host now Entrepreneurs Get Visible, which is a very successful international show, but that was my second podcast. I actually started my first podcast when I launched that Inspiring Mummy Club business um, because somebody said to me, you should do a podcast. And I kind of went, well, okay. And I'd never listened to a podcast, but I knew I could recreate one, but I had no understanding of the mechanics. And even three and a half years ago, podcasting isn't like it is now. I mean, now it's a major vehicle. We have, podcasting has grown. There's, there's an extra million podcasts have gone live in the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. So it's, we doubled the amount of content going out. And now we have over 50% of the, the world's population regularly tuning into podcasts. So we've kind of got this really powerful vehicle that people are tuning in to consume content. So I did that first podcast and I, I was thinking, well, why am I not getting the traction? Why? When I know my audio is good, what more is it? And along the way of not knowing how to, to run that online business, not knowing how to make my podcast bigger, it was, it was doing fine, but it wasn't having the runaway success that I wanted to have. And again, it's about admitting, well, like, if I'm going to have a podcast, I want it to do well. If I'm going to run a business, I want it to do well. If I'm going to write a book, I want it to be a good book. Mm. So going back and really heavily investing in working with mentors, coaches, business coaches, speakers, people who were doing the kinds of things I wanted to do and literally laying everything on the table to work with them and make it happen. Um, and really, that's been that's kind of a, been a key component of, of my success. And I read I read about a year and a half ago a book on podcasting by someone who was he does a lot of podcast coaching. And the book was just lacking in so much content, and the audio knowledge that they'd shared was not enough. And I remember thinking, I was sitting in my parents' garden, why isn't someone telling people this stuff? And it was then I kind of went, oh, well, I can do that. That's what I can do. And so I feel very much now from that moment of waking up and saying, I have this, I want to help other people realize that they can achieve their potential. And then I've got all of this audio background. Well, that kind of realization that 
the stuff I did in my past, the weird audio stuff that I ended up doing for whatever reason to save my own sanity, actually now I have the tools and the ability to help other leaders amplify what they're doing. Yeah. And so for me, podcasting, yes, I can teach people how to edit and how to use a microphone, but that's not really what makes me tick. What makes me tick is the idea that someone somewhere could listen to your podcast or one of my clients' podcasts and you don't know what life that's going to touch. You don't know what difference that's going to make. Yeah. And what difference does that then make to their children, their family, their whatever? And that's really exciting. So who inspires you then? Who, who are the people that really help you tick? Oh my gosh. I don't even know that there's individuals. I really surround myself with some powerhouse entrepreneurs now. Um, I tell you who in those early days when I was thinking, well, what, what could it be? I really was inspired by Carrie Green, who runs Female Entrepreneur Association. And I can remember thinking, I want her in my networks. I want, you know, I, I don't know how she's done it. I don't understand the mechanisms. I know nothing about entrepreneurship, but I like that she's very down to earth and she's got global reach. Um, but I, I kind of, it's not even about following other people for inspiration. It's more that I just decide I'm going to do something and then I work out how to, how to step into that. Has your circle changed though, as you've progressed in your own journey, yeah. has your circle changed? Because I think women are quite scared of doing that as well, about acknowledging that their circle perhaps needs to go in a slightly different direction to get what they really need out of life. So even on interviews now, I still find it hard to talk about this, but I realized for a long time that my friendships weren't really serving me. But where do you go when you've had people in your life for various reasons? Maybe you knew them from school, maybe you knew them from baby circles or toddler groups, but I had outgrown them. And I felt for a long time, not, not desperate, that's the wrong word, but I really want good friends who get me, who are on the same wavelength as me. And I think that when I decided to throw myself into this kind of entrepreneurship, coaching, influence space, I was then going to events. I was then joining masterminds. So I started to find the right people. And I now have closer friends than I've ever had in my whole life because I'm mixing online through Zoom, through various apps every single day with other people, some women, some men, with the same level of purpose ambition and drive yeah. and that is everything because they then become they then become my circle and it's yeah. really different so now when I say to someone you know next year my income goal is da 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 it's not people going don't be ridiculous it's yeah. people going oh great how are you going to do that yeah yeah and I, I can relate to that and I think it is really difficult for women because we do have this change as we go along on a different journey and it's quite hard to acknowledge and accept without feeling guilty I think there's a lot of yeah and, and I think it's, it's interesting that kind of pivot from deciding you know I'm not going to go for that lunch because actually every time I go for that lunch with those people I come away feeling rubbish I come away feeling that I haven't talked about anything I'm interested in no one's even asked me what I'm interested in. I don't want to gossip about everybody, someone else's husband behind their back. I don't want, that's not me. Mm -hmm. And so to some extent, I think I actually started to withdraw myself from those occasions that weren't making me tick before I stepped up, before I acknowledged, right, okay, if I've not got that in my life, what do I want in my life? Yeah. But, you know, female friendships are really important. Yeah. They're the but they don't happen. They? 
they don't happen unless you go and find them. Yeah. And I think I went through a period of, of real loneliness in friendship. Not that I didn't have people, but not people doing what I was doing. Yeah. And no, it's not until you step onto that and follow it that you can then meet those people. Yeah, no, I can completely relate to that. That makes so much sense. Mm. And it seems to me that you have kind of really embraced all these different challenges, full on, head on. Um, but what does phase you? What, do, what does really take, out, take you out of your comfort zone? Hmm. I do everything that I do around having three children at home and um, one of them is homeschooled and the other two have had issues at school we've had even this this year never mind lockdown we've had one we've had to remove from a school send to a new school I hate it when my children are unhappy hmm. absolutely hate it but I think having had bullying and all sorts of incidences at school myself I know that whatever they're going through we can't just go well it's just school that's just the way people are because the things that happen to them can affect them. And I think almost that they have to go through those things that are traumatic to whatever degree to them so that they can then learn, grow and develop afterwards. Yeah. But it's hard to see your own family going through it, particularly yeah. when, when you're geared up to help other people with mindset. But that doesn't mean that you still walk through your life like everything is perfect. Yeah, like my, my eldest daughter was homeschooled in the end because she suffered with acute anxiety and acrophobia. Mm. And it is that feeling you can't fix some situations, but you want to be able to. But mm. you're out there in the world telling everybody how confident you are and how you're embracing life, but actually yeah. the things that you're really dearest to, you can't always fix. You can't, for them. and nor should yeah. you, because you're not there to fix. Yes. You're there to kind of hold the space for people. Yeah. Mm. What's the best piece of advice you've been given along the way? I think it's just get on and do it what are you waiting for one of the things that comes up again and again with people I work with or people who say oh, I want to make this difference but I can't do a Facebook live I'm worried I'll be judged well honestly when you think about the people you want to help what's going to help them more you worrying that you're sister-in-law is going to think you look like a bit of a wally and judge you and talk about you to the rest of the family or you actually getting out there and doing it mm. it's very often the people around us that we're most scared of being judged by yeah that's so true so and also true. i think Just I, do it i read um playing big tara moore's playing big book and she talks about how you know don't wait for everything to be perfect before you start doing something just get on with it and start it because it's never yeah. going to be perfect and i think that's uh, really uh, I completely and utterly agree with that. So when I think back to four years ago where I was thinking, I need to have, I want to help people. What's this going to be? I'm, I'm sure I'm supposed to be writing and speaking. How, how, and how do you make money doing that? If I hadn't trusted that impulse, which happened 20 minutes before the school run, if I hadn't followed, I can remember writing, jotting notes down and it was just like brain dumping this inspiration I remember driving in the car getting out the other end and ringing my dad and then my husband as well to say I've got I'm just going to do this is this is what I'm doing and literally by the time my husband came home from work that evening I'd bought the domain names I'd registered for company house and if I hadn't done that if I'd waited until everything was perfect if I'd waited to learn how to launch to learn how to grow an audience it would have taken me years I would yeah. never have been perfect. But because I just went, this is happening, I'm going to trust this impulse and I'm going to let myself get it a bit wrong. 
I think that's what something I'm very good at now. I let yeah. myself get it a bit wrong so that I can learn from it. And actually that's one of the things I now teach other coaches and entrepreneurs to do, just get out, do it, and then you can refine it. But if you don't get started, how can you improve? Yeah. And, and, and I can already see how ambitious you are, but what's your kind of goal? Or what would you really like to achieve in the next five years? It's really, really a strange one, Rachel, because this year I've achieved so many things that were on my big wish list that have been on my wish list for so long in terms of finances, in terms of personal achievements. I'm at that point that over Christmas, I'm going to have to go back and say, well, what is next? What is next? Because my targets are not always, you know, in income is nice and those big figures are lovely but it's not always about that so I'm definitely at a stage that over Christmas I will be thinking what is the next goal what is the next what do I want next what's that going to look like for me so it's, it's hard for me to answer right now and do you celebrate <laughs> your wins are you good at acknowledging them and, and giving yourself space to celebrate your wins yes um slightly more challenging in lockdown yeah I mean the week so we're talking two three weeks after I launched my second book podcast with impact which you know to to get 37 number ones globally was just insane yeah that week I was high as a flipping kite all week even now I'm still just getting back in touch with people to say thank you for supporting me because I couldn't do a thing that week but then comes the crash. And I think that's, that's normal as well to acknowledge that if you're going to have highs and you're going to celebrate that hard, well, there's going to be a lull as well because yeah. that's, that's normal too. Um, so I had then a bit of an energy crash where I, was, I can't be bothered. What am I doing? And that's, that's part of it too. And I think anyone out there, like, like you're doing, Rachel, deciding that they want to have more reach, more impact, reach more people, whatever it is, whatever phrasing works, it's not always going to be easy and it's not always going to be plain sailing. Yeah. And there's going to be days where you cannot be bothered. And there's going to be days where you think, how could I do anything other than this? Cause this is everything. Yeah. And it's yeah. the ebbs and the flows. All of that. I can tick all of those <laughs> yeah. little things. <laughs> so how can people find out more about you, Anna, and about how they could work with you? Uh, so the best thing is to go to annaparkernaples.com um and people often call us parker bowls or parker knolls they get halfway through listening and then switch off for anna parker naples like the city um and you can find out all about how to work with me i run masterminds for coaches and entrepreneurs and um all sorts of programs really chiefly the podcast membership and the podcast agency but i'll yeah. put all the notes in the show in yeah. the show notes afterwards and it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you the last question that i ask all my guests because i think women are really bad at accepting compliments mm -hmm. so if you could pay yourself one compliment what would it be hmm. that's a really good one i'm thinking what do i want to say Anna, you are doing more than enough. That's probably as far as I'm going to go. <laughs> yes, perfect. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank yeah, you for pleasure. your time. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that first podcast episode of the new series. I really can't think of a better way to kick off the series than with Anna, talking to Anna. And what I really appreciate is how often we can see people that are more visible and that are putting themselves in the spotlight 
and we forget their journeys to where they are now. We forget the hurdles that they've overcome. So it was great to hear Anna's honesty and sharing how she's got to where she is now. And it's not always plain sailing, but we can all learn from that and hopefully give you some inspiration because if you are struggling, it doesn't mean to say that's a fixed state. You can get past this and work towards your goals. So keep going with it. Some of the things that she left me with that really will stay in my mind is, I let myself get it a bit wrong so I can learn from it. So we mustn't let our fear of failure stop us from trying because it can be a real self-sabotage tool. That fear of failure can often stop us so much from getting started. And as Anna left us with, get on and do it. What are you waiting for? I will leave you with that as we go into a new week. Um, I will be back next week with some more inspiration. Don't forget you can find all the episodes on outofthebubblepodcast.com. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please go leave a rate. Thank you for listening to Out of the Bubble podcast. I hope you found lots of inspiration and it's left you with some midlife food for thought. How would you compliment yourself? I'd love to hear from you so I can share some love for all you women over 40. Please get in touch. Email me, rachel at outofthebubblepodcast.com. You can also come and join the Facebook page at Step Out of the Bubble. I'll be back next Monday, but in the meantime, keep being fabulous. <laughs>